1: Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the certified financial planners on the show, along by my colleagues and certified
2: financial planning friends, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. For those of you with high school seniors or college students in your life, did you know it's already time to fill out your FAFSA? It seems like the school year just started, and we're already starting to talk about next school year. And I'm buying Christmas
1: presents already, by the way, just yeah. so you all know. Proactive.
2: Well, we're, we're talking about— I'll get about, you my list, Mike. <laughs> I, I'm trying to intro a show here, guys. <laughs> we're talking about financial aid, getting ready for next year's financial aid in particular. And since the FAFSA is such a confusing document, we're going to help simplify it for you today on today's show— Wise Money. And if you listen to me, you'll know how to
1: pronounce it wrong. If you have any questions other than how to pronounce it, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us. You can do so in a couple ways. One, give us a call, send us a text, 574 222 2000. Second, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com. You can see all previous episodes or listen to them. You can submit a question right there on the right as well. Lastly, engage in social media. Facebook, Twitter, at Wise Money Radio, and YouTube, folks. This is the second show that's going up on YouTube. Catch us right now. You can look at my Detroit uh, Tigers coffee mug and all you Cubs fans or Sox fans can get mad at me, but that's okay. So. <laughs> Casey has an opinion. Alright, we're talking about the FAFSA, alright? So it's the second year since the government made some big changes with the deadlines and the information that you use for the FAFSA as if it wasn't difficult enough, right? But before we get into some of the planning techniques and some of the big mistakes that you need to avoid, let's just level the playing field. What in the world is this thing? What do you need to know?
2: Yeah, if you're if you're new to financial aid or, you know, it's uh, it's maybe out on the horizon for you, but it's getting closer. You need to understand that the FAFSA is really the starting point. Uh, for most people, figuring out exactly what amount of financial aid is available to them. It stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid. And it's essentially the government's method of gathering the data that's used to uh, you know, plug into the formula for uh, what is the, the amount of uh, help that your family should provide And what's left over of the school bill is your eligible amount of financial aid. So this is essentially them gathering and and trying to decipher what is the family's expected contribution to the cause, so to speak. It's also, though, the the data that most schools use when they're trying to determine whether or not merit-based
0: aid is available to you as well. So it's an important form, uh, really, for everybody. That's right. And there are some interesting differences if you've never done a fafsa so if your child has never gone to college and you've never had to do a fafsa these changes don't mean much to you it's just this is the way it is but if you're in midstream if you've got a few kids that have gone to college and you've got a son or daughter in college now you need to know that things are different in that the the way that the fafsa The timing of things. So it used to be in the beginning of the year, people were rushing around to get their taxes prepared so that they had the information from the prior year to fill out the FAFSA application and get it correct. And changes were made to say, no, actually, we're going to use the prior, prior year. So as you're filling out your tax return I'm sorry, It's you're feeling like you're fast for this year, and you can start October 1st. You're not using your 2017 numbers, which you would have been – had the window open in 18 you're using your 2016 numbers now hopefully if it's October 1st you've already got your taxes done if you don't you've got 15 more days to get those done but then once you have your 2016 taxes done you have the numbers that you can use and put on your FAFSA application that you do this year
1: Oh, my goodness. So confusing. But let, let, right. let I'm just going to not restate because you said that very well, but just hit a couple things and then hit the deadlines. Is the FAFSA that opens October 1st, that application opens, is for the 2018 and 2019 school year. And the tax information that you're using is from 20. Sixteen, So that's where that prior, prior year comes in. The deadlines, though, are still the same. So for Michigan, oh my goodness, I've got those right in front of me. For Michigan, the deadline is still March 1st of 2018. And for Indiana, it's March 10. But a lot of the financial aid or awards or so on are first come, first served. So don't delay, folks. Have a party this weekend and get that FAFSA done.
0: Yeah, so if you're trying to keep it simple, I'm using my 2000. 2000- 16 tax information, preparing the FAFSA in 2017 for school year 18 and 19.
2: Did you say keeping that simple? <laughs> we can't even pronounce I, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay,
1: but it's, uh, so, so several things there, and I want to launch off of that baseline understanding into some planning techniques, and guys, I'm sure you've got a few things that you want to make sure you share, but just with how confusing this prior prior year thing is, let's touch on that first. One planning technique, so the tax information that's going to be used is from essentially two years ago. So if you know, hey, I'm gonna have a tax problem and I'll just give you a couple that could come to mind. One, that you are canceling some life insurance and all of a sudden that's gonna create some big tax consequences or you wanna cash in some stock and that's gonna create some big tax consequences. If you've got a decision and you've got some flexibility on the timing of it, if you have a decision to make that's going to impact your taxes, you want to be cognizant what year you do that and know that two years after that event, it's going to impact your financial aid eligibility. So be aware of that. Work with a certified financial planner if that's going to come up to be strategic about when you want to do that because folks, maybe we're kind of in the fall. Josh already depressed us about that. You might be able to make half of that decision December 30th or 31st, and the other half of that decision, January 1st, and make the tax impact spread over two years, even though it's just two days. So there's some planning techniques there, if that applies to you, where you've got a big tax event that you have some decision-making
0: power over, and you can strategize. I like it. Yeah. and that. So as we look at the six areas of financial planning, tax planning is A a huge piece here and again this is why you want to be working with your certified financial planner because to the extent and some people have income that is that is easier manipulated than others business owners yeah but so to the extent that you can manipulate your income you want to have an awareness and you want to be working with your planner on these things to say hey how do I how do I maximize the results, and what are the opportunities? Because I want to you, really, you want to position yourself as as best as you can to get the best result on the FAFSA. Some people are in a, a position where they say, "Listen, there, there's not a chance that I'm going to get anything. I'm not planning anything. We're 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 going to pay the full boat for our kids because income wise, right. we're too much." But if you're not, this is this, this is key because it could mean a difference of thousands of dollars to your son or daughter.
2: Well, it, it also underscores the idea that during the college years, sometimes your planning is very different than other phases of your life, right? Totally. Um, you know, maybe under normal circumstances, someone that's in the 15% tax bracket, we might advise you to err on the side of using mostly Roth contributions. But what if, you know, w- with some forecasting of, uh, of your financial aid package, you realize maybe I'm kind of on the cusp of, uh, qualifying for some more aid here. And this happens to be a year where using a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k would help squeeze that income level down. Mm-hmm. Um, other folks may be in a high income situation and they really need to squeeze their income down because it would make them eligible for certain tax credits related to to college as well. That has nothing to do with financial aid, but a tax credit from the government that is money right in your pocket, it almost feels like financial aid because it's uh, helping reduce your overall uh, tax liability at a time when cash matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash flow matters. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm glad you, you bring that up. I want to mention one thing, and then we've got a lot more
1: um, planning techniques to hit on. But Kevin talked about financially, if you don't believe you're going to be getting any financial aid, should you still fill out the FAFSA? I I believe I recommend people do, that they still do fill it out. Absolutely. Just go through it, work with your certified financial planner. It won't be that difficult. Get it done, even if you don't expect to receive any aid. But golly, there's a lot uh, of a lot more planning techniques to talk about, even planning to make sure you get all of the tax credits possible. So that and a lot more coming up here on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today, spending part of your Saturday with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn in the KFG studios. If you don't know what that's all about, go to YouTube, Wise Money Radio. Look us up on YouTube and you can watch us right now in the KFG studios here. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern & Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program We're trying to get you ready for the FEFSA. And if you're thinking, wait, school just started. I don't want to hear about that. Folks, the application opens October 1st, first come, first serve. Time to start thinking about next year. Uh, If you have any questions, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at WisemoneyRadio, or give us a call, send us a text, 574-222-2000. All right, I guess, let me just send an overarching message because the FAFSA is a government document. It is complicated, folks, we get it. If this is overwhelming, but you've got to fill one out, call your certified financial planner. We're, I've got one or two more techniques that you should consider, but doing it alone might just get you in trouble, might, you know, might, might actually create some adverse consequences. And the other thing is you've got to fill this, you know, I think it's some 90 some questions out. A lot of that's just based on your financial data that your certified financial planner should have in your financial plan. It should be right there and spell it out. So if you've got questions, if this is overwhelming, reach out to your certified financial planner. We're gonna talk a little bit more about techniques and then we have some mistakes that you need to avoid to fill it out correctly. All right, when you're filling out the FAFSA, you're going to be putting down, all right, here's how much money I have in the bank Here are my assets and here are the child's assets. Folks, do not include your retirement plan assets, but you do need to include cash. So here's the technique. One, a lot of people then look at this and say, all right, so I shouldn't have any cash, so there goes my emergency fund. Be careful, folks. The emergency fund is there to keep you from going poor if an emergency pops up. However, you should be strategic about using Roth IRAs and making contributions to Roth IRAs. If you're in this season where you're going to be filling out the FEFSA and looking for financial aid and you've got way more cash than you've really needed, then your financial planner says, yeah, you've kind of got, you need this much in emergency fund and you've got way more than that. You need to be strategic about putting that money in a Roth IRA so that it doesn't count against you. So that's my that would be my technique that i'd I'd mention is be aware of the cash. Don't get rid of all of it but make sure that you're using Roth IRAs and some other tools where you can easily shelter the dollars but get access to them if you need them.
2: Yeah, that's the important distinction there because you're not saying go dump it into a traditional IRA or your 401k at work necessarily because those dollars, you're kind of kissing goodbye until retirement. That's right. The only way to access them would be to take a withdrawal and get hit with taxes and penalties. That's not what you're saying. You're saying specifically the Roth IRA because you still have access to the money without taxes or penalties, at least your contribution. Right?
1: That's, that's right. The Roth IRA is kind of the financial Swiss Army knife. You can use it for a lot of different purposes, and this might be a way to help you on the FAFSA. So, all right. Let's talk through a few mistakes, and we've got several to, to rattle off here, uh, but let's, uh, let's see how many we can
0: get, get in here. Well, the first mistake is not completing the FAFSA. That's right. Yeah. So you say you want to do it. There is no income cutoff when it comes to federal student aid. You want to just know that. And a lot of different educational institutions require for you to attend. This has to be filled out. So I would just plan on, hey, this is something we're going to have to do. We're going to have to do it while the kiddos are in school and uh, get it done
2: well especially those of you with higher income or or, you know substantial means um, you may just assume that well we're not getting any financial aid what you're probably thinking of is the federal financial aid you're probably not gonna qualify for grants is what you may be concluding but there's other forms of aid out there and in particular Um, I I would pay a special uh, close attention to merit-based aid. This is uh, often what a school rewards to someone. Uh, Sometimes they will only give you certain scholarships or certain benefits if you have filled out the FAFSA and you don't qualify for need-based. So actually, you know, applying for the FAFSA may open up some dollars to you that would otherwise,
0: uh, those doors would be closed. So the next mistake is an interesting one and particularly timely b- based on current events. So the next mistake you could make is not using the correct website. Ah. So hmm. I went I you go to Equifax.com? Well, I'm I so, so I I put in <laughs> financialaid.com and I was I was blocked our we have some pretty tight security on our work computers. I was blocked from going there because it said malware uh, I'm going to a malware site. So if you go to financialaid.com Or you click on the wrong link and go to the wrong place. You could get yourself in big trouble now Mike you just referenced the uh, the Equifax issue hey folks we have we're, we're doing wise money minutes on 95.3
1: mnc in the mornings on monday wednesday friday those that's fresh content folks that we're pushing out telling you what's on our mind what you should be thinking about financially and i did one recently about the Equifax stuff with some um communication hey this is what you need to be doing and so we're
0: gonna have those on the website as well so just stay tuned yeah yeah and but just you need, you need to know not only did hackers break in and get access to 143 million people's personal information. Equifax tweeted the wrong URL. So it was sending people to a site that you could get malware and other things, and you're putting in sensitive personal information. Of course. So I would be really, 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 really careful. And uh, I don't know, measure twice when you're uh, doing this and wisemoneyradio.com is <laughs> completely safe.
2: Hey, there is an advantage, though. Um, you, you know, you, you, we're not trying to scare you away from applying online because uh, it can actually be a much faster, more streamlined process if you use the correct website because it can skip through certain questions that don't apply for you. Yeah, uh, that, that's part of the overwhelming process of filling out a paper form. Is boy, do I have to check every box? Does some of this apply? What doesn't? Well, the software will help uh, kind of force you through the process a little bit faster based on your answers.
0: F-A-F-S-A dot gov. Frank Alpha Frank Sierra Alpha dot gov. So here we go. <laughs> getting, not getting, uh, at F FAFSA. F- an FSA, <laughs> uh, easy for me to say, uh, not getting an FSA ID ahead of time. So an FSA ID is a username and password that you must use to log into certain U.S. Department of Education websites, including the fafsa.gov. Uh, and website. you can register right there. I mean, it's easy, but, yeah, if you don't have that, or, or if you do and you misplaced it, that can really trip you up. Yep. Yep, and so to the, the next one would be not using your FAFSA. ID, your FSA ID, excuse me, to start the FAFSA. Hmm. So once you've got your FSA ID, you need to use it when you're starting the FAFSA. I think they prompt you and that's required now, but I I could be wrong. Hopefully it's required. Gosh. Yes. So uh, it's required promptly. Okay. So um, waiting to fill out the FAFSA. Yeah, we mentioned
1: a lot. So, so we had uh, some folks from Bethel on a year ago to help us communicate these changes, and she said that uh, a lot of the schools—it's uh, a process to get them moved up to this new application date. But, folks, I'm I'm assuming a lot more schools are ready now, and and a lot of the aid is first come first serve. So don't don't delay. You've already got your tax information done. It's all set up. Your financial plan's built. You know what your numbers are. October 1st is the open, is the application date. So get get in there, do it. Don't wait. Well,
2: the thing that goes hand in hand with that is you have to be accepted to the school before they're going to put together a financial aid package for you as well. So this is just all part of the process of your school hunting if uh, your child is a senior or, or a junior or anything like that. Um, but as you said, that rolling period, if, if they're accepting new students and they want to push out a financial aid package to them as quickly as possible, so you'll make a decision, a buying decision, so to speak, yeah, right. um, then they're going to be awarding dollars or at least uh, making it available pretty quickly. And you want to be at the front of that line while uh, the, the money is available still. All right, I can
1: see Kevin. He's chomping at the bit. He's got a couple more really, really important mistakes that you need to avoid. We're going to hit those, but plus, folks, one of my favorite activities on the Wise Money Show is to give you guys a quiz, and I found one that I absolutely hated this week, and I thought, this isn't even fair, but we're going to give it to you here in, on the show, and you're going to you're gonna ace it. You're going to get a 4.0. So a few more mistakes that we need to hit, and then financial quiz coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory. Next to him, Kevin Corhorn in the KFG studios. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. Um, Folks, if you have any questions, we've been talking about the FAFSA today and, and really college planning. College is so ridiculously expensive. By the time... My newborn gets there. I'm hoping the whole thing, the whole system has been reworked and reformed. All that, but attaching that word scares me a little bit to it. But um, right now, so you need to get as much aid as possible and and get the right sort of tax benefits. So work with your certified financial planner. But if you have any questions, reach out to us, 574-222-2000, wisemoneyradio.com, or Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at WisemoneyRadio. Okay, I've got a really fun quiz coming up, financial quiz, but we've got to talk about a couple of a couple more FAFSA
0: mistakes that we want you to avoid. Yep. One of them we've already talked about a little bit, and that's missing a deadline. Number two would be uh, listing only one college. You can list up to ten, and so and, and that doesn't hurt you if you don't end up going to the other nine. Um not signing the FAFSA is a huge mistake and putting the wrong information. There's a, there's there's more ways than you would think to put wrong info on your FAFSA application.
2: One of the biggest, though, is maybe not counting the right assets, not understanding maybe certain income numbers that they want you to pull off of the tax return. Um, to me, that's the primary reason why you need to have – uh, on speed dial, your financial advisor or maybe your CPA to help you decipher some of the info that's being being collected. we We get those phone calls every fall now. used to be uh, every uh, late winter. Um, just helping people make sure that they're getting it right. There are even ways uh, online that you can uh, link up your your tax return data, have it feed into the FAFSA, um, uh, hopefully eliminating uh, the possibility of of a mistake. Uh, for those of you that um, maybe are divorced, you also have to pay especially uh, you know, close attention to which parents' information is making its way onto the tax return. You don't want to uh, give more information than what they're really asking for and, and possibly disqualify your son or daughter for uh, some much-needed aid in that case. That's right. So if I were to wrap up the whole
1: FAFSA conversation, folks, the application opened October 1st for the 2018-2019 school year, you're going to be using your 2016 tax information. It's complicated. Work with your certified financial planner to make sure you're filling it out correctly and that you've got the right strategies, financial strategies to get as much aid as possible. And I cannot believe we're in the third segment. We haven't said it. So much of the quote unquote aid is are loans. So over and above this FAFSA issue is college planning. In my opinion, loans don't equate to aid. You want to have a good strategy for how are you paying for college? What role are you playing? What role is the student playing? And so we've talked about that a lot, but that should be superseding the FAFSA. Okay, folks, one of my jobs, I kind of like it um, as part of being the host for the show, is I troll different financial uh, periodicals or websites, and uh, our esteemed producer, Casey Hendrickson, does the same, and sometimes we'll run across some articles that we say, we got to talk about this. And uh, I can't believe I went there, but I was on an NBC um, website, and I saw a very interesting Um, very interesting title about a financial quiz. And it made me both excited and just really upset. And so here we go, the reason why I was excited is it said most Americans can't answer these five basic money questions. And I thought, well, they don't know the Wise Money audience so I'm sure our audience would be able to answer all these correctly. And then I started reading the questions and it just made me upset because I'm not sure how basic these are, but folks, If you're out there, if you saw this article or if you see articles like this, we want you to get an A and not just on these little quizzes, we want you to get an A in your financial life. So we are gonna talk through these five basic questions and talk through what the questions are, what the answers are, what we think, and so on. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, first question. If you were able to set aside $50 each month for retirement, How much would that end up becoming 25 years from now, including interest, if it grew at the historical stock market average? A, about 15 grand. B, 30 grand. C, 40 grand. D, 60,000. Or E, more than 60,000. The answer. (laughs) You just see what I'm talking about. I think you could tell already. The answer is C, about forty thousand. And before we even dissect that, is that even a fair question? Is that a basic financial planning
2: question that average Americans should get right? I, I don't think so, personally. Uh, unless you have a financial calculator and you know how to use it, the idea of compounding money is—it's uh, kind of an ab- abstract concept. But also knowing. You have to uh, know what is the historical rate of the stock market. Not only that, folks, but
1: if you see the if you see this uh, quiz, they use the wrong rate of return. Right. In my opinion, that's they right. they use seven percent, which I think moving forward, you know, maybe you'd want to forecast off of that. But if you just look back, that's not the historical return of the stock market. Seven percent; it's closer to ten percent. That's right. So they're getting they're deriving their answer from the wrong input, which, folks. So be careful about online financial calculators. Do not trust these things when you're trying to plan your retirement. You
0: have no idea what assumptions they've got baked in. Right. Well, you got to be careful, though, because, you know, they're they're saying 7% is the return of the stock market. I think 7% is a lot closer to what the return of a diversified portfolio. I agree. Certainly not um, what a, another... Uh, famous radio show host would say a good growth mutual fund get you 12 13 so um we don't subscribe to that theory but so we, we would say seven percent a lot closer to what a diversified portfolio would give you seven to eight uh, percent over time and uh, i was meeting with someone this week and they said hey i just want to do what the s p 500 is doing and we've we've addressed this but i thought it was interesting that it came up again and i said are you okay losing half the value of your portfolio. We must talk to the same person. I had that exact same conversation and asked the exact same question with someone this week as well. And the you know when when the, when the sun's shining and the birds are chirping and there aren't really many problems in the world, it's easy to say, "Well, shoot, I, yeah, I can handle that." You know, I my 600,000 goes to 300,000 before it goes to 900, I'm fine with that. Folks, most folks can't handle that roller coaster ride and and for most of the folks that we work with that kind of taking on that kind of risk isn't necessary
2: you know the thing I like about this question though is it underscores three inputs as you were pointing out right Uh, we've said many times on this show that the recipe for building the right retirement nest egg for you has three ingredients that go into it how much money are you feeding into the account they said 50 bucks here. That's not the right amount for you. I can about guarantee you, right? 50 bucks a month isn't going to get it done. 25 years worth of growth. Time. How much uh, time are you doing this uh, over? That's the the second ingredient. And then the third is you have to add some risk to the equation. You have to give your investments the ability to grow. They said uh, grow it at 7%. Um, that may be the appropriate amount for you, but it should be a decision that you make based on your overall financial plan. So what is your formula? That's our question. If you don't know the answer to that, then maybe it's time for you to be looking into your own financial planning, and in particular, these long-term goals like retirement. Yeah,
1: you know, the the longer time you have as you're saving up for retirement, the closer that over that entire time, you'll reach a competitive, Average return is much more likely. If you're just investing for three years and you say, "Okay, I'm three years away from retirement. I've got to stock a whole bunch of money away," it's not very likely that you're going to receive some sort of average return. So the sooner you start, the uh, the, the better. And then I just had to chuckle at you saying, "You know, $50 a month is not is not the right number." Yeah, folks, you you need a financial plan to figure figure that out. But the how long and how much and all of that goes to the lesson that I think this is trying to teach, and that is the power of compound uh, compound interest. It is the, what is the seventh or eighth wonder of the world. So you want to have that on your side, folks. So, all right, that's question one down. It was unfair, but I think it uh, still a good a good question. We've got four more questions to go here, and all the application that you need to have in your financial life. So that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise
1: Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired team at RE-MAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard, alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn in the KFG studios. Hope your weekend's off to a great start. If you have any questions, reach out to us. 574-222-2000. You can call or text that number or wisemoneyradio.com. Lastly, folks, every show that we do is on podcast. You can find it iTunes, Google Play, Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group, or this is our second show that we're posting on the YouTube channel. And I tell you, there's a lot of good banter in between. So folks, if you want a little additional content with a little humor, uh, check out the YouTube channel, Wise Money Radio. We actually mention on there this discussion about, should we change some of the in and out music, the bump music? And uh, we'd love to hear from you, email or text, whether you think we should, or if you have any suggestions, Casey's got a whole bunch of hilarious ideas, but uh, trying to keep the show a bit serious. So we'll see, but but reach out to us, let us know what you think, uh, 574-222-2000WiseMoneyRadio.com. All right, so we're in the middle, or actually at the beginning of a finance quiz that was dubbed as the you know the average most americans cannot answer these basic finance questions and i think that's malarkey the first one was not basic at all um, but these next couple maybe so here here we go question question number 2 suppose you have 100 dollars in a savings account and the interest rate is 2% a year after 5 years how much do you think you'd have in the account if you left the money to grow a exactly or excuse me a more than 102 b exactly 102 c less than 102 and d i don't know survey says
2: a, a, a more than yeah, 102 more right?
1: if you've got 100 bucks and it's growing at 2% then you're at 102 after the first year you're above 104 the next year and so on that's compound that's compound interest so fair question
2: What do do we think? Certainly a fair question. That hopefully is a concept that's not uh, foreign to anybody. We left the last segment talking about how compound growth is such a powerful thing. It's quite frankly something that you have to tap into in order to reach your long-term goals. And um, I I think it's so important that it's worth mentioning what you could be doing that causes you to unplug from that power. Mm. And quite frankly, it's often raiding the cookie jar. You know, if compound growth is earning growth on top of growth, and you start rating those those dollars as they come, then you're not going to experience the kind of compounding effect that you, you otherwise would. I had a client just this past week where husband and wife had uh, an account each, they mirrored each other as far as investments, but he had tapped into his account to pull out some money for Uh, some business capital that he needed. And so we could actually compare his results to hers where the only difference is, did you tap into it at all? His rate of return was about 4% less than hers. She was around 11. He was at about seven. They had the same investments performing the same way, but pulling the money out unplugged from that compounding growth.
1: And 11% on a bigger number is a bigger number. Right. That's right. So, All right. Let's keep rolling here. Question number three is very similar, but it has a different principle that it's trying to touch on. Number three, imagine that the interest rate on your savings account is 1% a year, but inflation is 2% a year. After one year, how much would you be able to buy with the money in this account? A, more than today. B, exactly the same as today. C, less than today. Or
0: D, I don't know. Mr. Horn? Yeah, we're gonna go with C, which is less than today. And again to restate it, you're growing it at one percent uh, and inflation is two percent. So in essence, what that means is at the end of the year I bought I buy even though my hundred thousand grows to a hundred and one thousand, to keep up with inflation I'd have to be at a hundred and two. So I buy a smaller basket of goods and services at the end of the year with my money than I could have purchased at the beginning of the year with that same money. And so when you look and you say, what are the enemies of the growth that you have on your money? There are two main enemies. Number one is inflation. Number two is taxes. So that's where I would say be very aware of inflation and its deleterious effects on your money?
1: I think this is a basic financial question, and folks, I assume you got it right, I hope you did. Um, When you're asked the question, how many of you are getting this wrong when you apply it in your life? Yeah, behaviorally, right? Because I think there are times when the stock market seems riskier than other times, or your financial life seems riskier than other times, where you willingly Say I'd rather have that safe 1% even if it means I'm losing money every year because I'm not keeping up with inflation. And there might be seasons for that, but we as as certified financial planners have seen people believe that they're in that season a lot more frequently than they actually are. So so what I mean by that is for your emergency fund dollars, hopefully the interest rate on your emergency fund is keeping up with inflation, but there are seasons where it may not. But your retirement money, it's got to. Folks, it's got to keep up with the inflation. In fact, be, in, in fact, beat it. So I, I think that's a fair question and um, delivers a good principle. All right. Question number four. This one, I don't know if it's basic and Let's see, I think it it was 70% of people got this one wrong. Do you, it's true or false? Buying a single company stock usually provides a safer return than a stock mutual fund. Is that true or false? Well folks, that answer is false. And a, a mutual fund by definition is a basket of individual stocks, so you've got many hundreds though a lot of the ones we use thousands of individual stocks so what are the chances that the one that you hold is safer than the basket of a thousand no it's just not no that the thousand are safer than the one that one could be enron the one could be apple stock which is a great company right but the stock recently has been struggling because of, you know, the rollout of the Apple Watch and these other things, just concerns over well where they will continue to grow. So the basket of stocks is, is less risky than the individual stock. I think you probably got that right. Hopefully you did. But again, I would point to, are you misapplying this principle in your life? We've got a show up coming where we're talking about investing in the company stock that you work for. I will tell you, I've seen a lot where people think, hey, I go to work there. This company is safer than what the stock market or that mutual fund is because I'm there. It is safer. And folks, no, it's not. The the principle is one stock is riskier than a basket of stocks.
2: That's right. It's just more familiar to you, right? Right. And sometimes it can even give you the illusion of control as well. But uh, we've often said on this show that concentration builds wealth and diversification preserves wealth. And since we're talking about trying to lower risk to the right level, make sure that you still have growth potential, but that you're not um, taking an excessive amount of risk. Diversification is the way to go. And that's why we recommend mutual funds as a way to get exposure to many of the world's best companies. Um, Some of the best mutual funds um, provide that, that access. Yep. All right. You've been waiting patiently. I'm, I'm sure you're
1: four for four right now. Fifth question, last question. It's not fair in my opinion. Hopefully you've come to the Wise Money Show to get some education on this before, but what is a fiduciary? And apparently 60% of people could not answer this correctly. I'm surprised uh, it was that low. Uh, we've talked about it before. A certified financial planner holds himself out as a fiduciary. And that is, and my layman definition would be someone who commits and holds himself out to only give advice that is in your best interest and basically looks at the conflict between getting paid for their advice or what's best for you and always recommends what's best for you. That's
2: different than some uh, in our industry who are held to a lesser standard. They need to do what's good enough for you. It needs to be suitable for you. But uh, a certified financial planner is going to take you through a process that leads to the best uh, options for you. And uh, for them to recommend it to you, sometimes they have to subordinate their own interests. The best relationships are one where you and your financial advisor win together.
0: Yep, a fiduciary has to act in your best interest. That's right. That's the that's the idea. Certified
1: financial planners, that's why we talk about it so often why we say you need a certified financial planner because that's what they do. that That's what they've committed to. So, uh, and, of course, all of here, all of us here at Corhorn Finance Group are fiduciaries. So that is all the time we have for today, folks. I hope you were five for five, and I hope tomorrow you fill out your FAFSA and it's easy as pie. Uh, folks, on behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself and all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.